in Jesus' praise in this place because Christ had not died on that cross where we be with as a people today. I, uh, sometimes I feel like a spare tire around this place. Nobody thinks about you till they need you. But I do come this morning with a heavy heart. This is the first time I've preached in rotation since we lost Terry and Lanny. And I miss them very much. So I'm missing my amen corner this morning, so I pray that somebody will pick up slack. Um, I'm going to share a message with you this morning. And as I first opportunity I had to preach here several years ago, uh, I shared with the church that I would never stand in the pulpit and recognize Satan for what I allowed Satan to do in my life through my addiction. And I said at that time that the, the message I would preach in this church would, would be reference to uh, my testimony. So if you would this morning, please, open your Bible for my scripture reading. Turn to Exodus 14, chapter 15th verse. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ thou unto me, speaking to the children of Israel, that they go forward. A most gracious heaven Father, we come before the throne this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give me the praise of Lord God for this time and this place. And, 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 and I pray, God, that you put angels at the boundary rocks of Solid Rock Baptist Church, God. I pray, God, that you lift us up as a people that will fulfill our commissions of the teaching of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that your church become a lighthouse to this community, that there is hope here, that the Word of God is preached here, lives are changed here, and as we leave these places, we leave here in revival to go carry the message to the lost and the dying. Lord, I lift up my pastor to you, Lord, and I give you the praise of God, God, for our friendship and our brotherhood and our bond. I lift up him and Cindy to you this morning, Lord, wherever, they, wherever Mike's traveling this morning, I pray, God, that the Holy Spirit goes with him. Lord, in this place this morning, I pray that you let the Holy Spirit dwell amongst us. I pray, God, as it says in Revelations, that the lampstands will be lit in this place, that the Holy Spirit will move amongst us, and God have his will, and Jesus passed by this place today. Lord, forgive me my sins, forgive me my fears. Some I sometimes doubt, God, I pray, God, you cleanse me as a vehicle this morning, inside and out, that I can be used by you to boldly preach the word of God. Lord, I lift up my men on the road this morning to you, Lord, and I lift up the Damascus road to you, Lord. And, and as I study this message, I pray, God, that, that, that you replace our fears with courage and faith and let us see the works that you have in store for us. And I pray, God, for the alcoholics out there in the world this morning, as they're coming to God Almighty, I pray, God, that you touch them, let them know that there is hope, and that hope is Jesus Christ. And I pray, God, you lead them to the hills of Newton County that they can extend so we can find this hope and we can minister them and let them become the man God wants them to be so that they can carry the message. Bless this place. Be with us this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is a special message to me. Um, let's look at Moses. Um, the, the, the Israelites ended up in Egypt. Um, 
sort of by happenstance. There was a, there was a great famine in the land, and, 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 as a, and you go back and you look at the story of Joseph and how his brothers was jealous of him and envious of him and, and had resentments toward him, and they sold him, into, sold him to a slave trader. And years later, um, Joseph became um, Pharaoh's right-hand man. Pharaoh said, I give you authority all over, all, over all Egypt except my throne. And then the great famine hit. And uh, Jacob sent his, Joseph's brothers to Egypt uh, to get grain under Joseph's um, stewardship. Egypt had done good through the abundance, and, and, and Joseph had saved uh, through that abundance. And so as Jacob's brothers, as Joseph's brothers arrived in Egypt, they didn't know who he was. But they bought food from him, and they went back. But eventually, Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, and it's ironic what Joseph said to him. Hear me, church. As we go through these trials, tribulations, and struggles, Joseph told his brothers, what you did to me was meant for evil. But God used it for good. So we have... So the, the covenant that God made with Abraham, he said, you know, you be faithful, you be my people, I'll be your God. Remember that. You be my people, I'll be your God. And he said, your descendants will be like stars. I will make you a mighty nation. So as, so as the Israelites ended up in Egypt, they multiplied. And upon Joseph's death, Pharaoh died. The Pharaoh that, that Joseph had favor with died. And it started the Pharaohs of, of oppression. Pharaoh got up one day and looked across the land and saw many Israelites. And he said, these people are a threat to us. The bondage of the Israelites was the results of a political action. Pharaoh failed them. There were so many. God kept his covenant with Abraham, and they multiplied. And Pharaoh looked across the land and said, there's too many of them. So as Pharaoh put them in slavery, Pharaoh put them in bondage, and he ordered his midwives to kill the firstborn Israelites. And the midwives refused. And God blessed them. And then Pharaoh come back and said, the firstborn male child of the Israelites will be thrown into the Nile. Now we start with the story of Moses. Moses' mother made a papyrus basket and put Moses in it. And God's will, one of Pharaoh's daughters, found him and raised him. So, I, the Pharaoh's daughter got Moses' mother through Moses' sister 
to nursing. And I can't, help, I can't help but believe that at some point in time, Moses' mother told him who he was. So he met a Hebrew. So years later, Moses saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, and he intervened, and he killed the Egyptian. The law at that time, if, someone, if a Hebrew killed an Egyptian, it was torture and death. So he fled. Years later, God appeared to him in the burning bush. And he said these words to Moses. I remember my covenant with Abraham. We serve a sovereign God. We serve an omnipotent God. We serve a God who sees all, knows all, has all power, who is perfect. And God has made a covenant with us as a people, the same as he had done with Abraham. We be his people, he will be our God. So as God spoke to Moses in the burning bush, and told Moses, I remember my covenant with Abraham. I hear the cries and the moans and the prayers of my people in bondage in Egypt. I hear them. I have mercy for them. Now I want you to go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. I can um, relate to how Moses felt. And like all of us, Moses comes to telling God, Amen. I'm mourning for murder in Egypt. Besides that, I stutter. I'm slow of speech. And I'm not eloquent. I'm a shepherd. Can't you get somebody else to do this? And God told Moses, those who in Egypt who persecute you for murder are dead. I am the all-creator. Do you not think that I can make you eloquent? But again, Moses pled his case, as most of us do when we call. And then the guy said, look, he said, you got a brother, Aaron. He talks pretty good. I'm going to send him to you. And the first trip Moses made to Pharaoh, when Moses went to the Hebrews in captivity and told them what God had said, they said, leave me alone. How many of us lost in our sin has told God, leave me alone. So Moses went back to God and he said, look, he said, the Hebrews want him to listen to me. What makes you think Pharaoh's going to listen to me? And God said, 
to Moses. And this is part of my testimony. God said to Moses, he said, you go and you tell them the I am sent you. The I am, the almighty, the sovereign God. As I laid in a bed one night in Penfield, room number seven, bed by the window, I looked around the room. I had three roommates. I was 45 years old. My addiction had took everything from me except my life. I looked around the room. My roommates, 22, 24, 25, and I laid in that bed, and I thought, God, if they just knew where they were going, if they just knew what the next 20 years was going to do to them. At the time, I was reading the book of John, And it was going along there pretty good until I got to the last few verses where Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And I remember dropping the Bible and I cried out to God. I said, surely God, as Moses did before God, Surely, God, you're not calling me to preach. Surely, God, I'm a three-time now convicted felon. Surely, God, with my history and my background, what church is going to let me preach in their church? I was telling God, leave me alone. I want your blessings. I want your healing. I want all you've got for me. Like most grandmothers go to Walmart, they're looking for them two-cent sales. We as Christians read our Bibles, and, I, and, 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 and in times of our distress, we read our Bibles trying to find what God's going to do for us. You be my people, I will be your God. What part of that don't we understand? We, we go through life expecting the blessings of God, but we do not keep our covenant. And I bumped into something I thought was very interesting. I want to share this with y'all right quick. When Moses come down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, he had two tablets, right? How many of you in this church said one tablet was one through five and the other tablet was six through ten? Anybody in this church think that? I did. The reason why there was two tablets is any time... You enter into a covenant, each party gets a copy. There was Ten Commandments on one for man to keep, and there was Ten Commandments on the other one for God to take back. Interesting, I thought. So here, Moses had gone before Pharaoh. And each time Pharaoh told him, no, I will not let your people go. And then the, then the Hebrews saw the plagues in which God put on, on Pharaoh. And each time 
Pharaoh would say no. But the tenth plague I thought was interesting. When God killed the firstborn Egyptian. Don't fool with God. Don't fool with God. As Pharaoh had killed the firstborn of the Hebrew nation, God told Moses, he said, you tell Pharaoh, I'm going to kill his firstborn, and I'm going to kill the firstborn of his livestock. And the night this happens called the Passover, God told Moses, tell the people to make a sacrifice of the, of the first male calf, sheep, Mark the lentils of the door frame so that when the angel of death comes by, I will know they're my people. In my past life, I wonder what God would have seen if he had passed by my house. If God passed by your house today, what would he see? The day is coming. So, Moses here is crying out to the Lord, and I can relate to this. I can just about tell you what Moses was saying. God, why me? Look at these people. They won't do right. They just don't do right. God, why me? It's called fear. So as Moses said unto the Lord, Moses, why cries unto me, speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. And you go back a little bit, back in the, in the 13th, last of the 13th chapter, it describes how God put a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire <clears throat> before his people. It also says, part of this says that um, when Joseph passed away, he, made, he told the leaders of the Hebrew nation, he said, make a vow with me. God will surely visit you. You shall carry up my bones away hence with you. In other words, Joseph wanted to be buried with his father. He wanted to be buried in the promised land. So as we look at this, God's sovereignty and God's covenant with his people was being fulfilled. So as, as, as we look at this, and God had put the pillar of cloud before him and the pillar of fire at night, and he guided them. We can look over in chapter 14, it says, First verse, and the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Paharath, between Magdal and the sea, over against Balsephon. Paharath is a marsh, swamp. Magdal was an outstation for Egypt. It was a man outstation. Balsaphon, <coughs> although the word definition, but it's not important here, 
was a landmark by, that was used by navigators indicating deep water. It was a canal. But God didn't lead his people straight to the promised land because he feared that they would be in battle with the Philistines and they would turn and run back to Egypt. We need to understand as God's people today, God don't think like we think. God's plan don't always line up with ours. We don't always understand why certain things happen in our life. But God was trying to get his people in a position. So as, as, as they camped where they were told to camp, for Pharaoh will slave the children of Israel and are engaged, entangled in the land. In other words, God's telling Moses that when, when, when people do this, Pharaoh's going to think that they're lost, they're, they're delusional, that they, that because the, the, the Egyptians' opinions of the Hebrews was, was very low. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall fall after them, and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Moses. Okay, God. I've done, I've done what you've had for me to do. And now you're telling me that I finally convinced Pharaoh by, by the plagues you put upon him that he didn't only let your people go, he actually ran us off. And now you're telling me that as we leave Egypt, you're going to harden Pharaoh's heart so he'll become after us. Again, we don't have to understand why. We just have to follow. So as, as, as Moses is being told this, Pharaoh, he made ready his chariot, took it with him his people, and he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt, captains over them, every one. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and pursued after the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with a high hand. I want you all to remember this. When the Israelites marched out of Egypt, the Bible says they marched out with a high hand, prayed, prideful, Sort of kind of in your face with the Egyptians. Remember that part. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them and camping by the sea besides Paharoth and before Balsephon. As they, as they lined out, when they marched out here in, 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 in like in a celebration parade, the Bible said there was 600 men plus their women and their children 
plus their livestock, plus others who were in bondage in Egypt that went with them. And having preached this message once or twice, I seen something one time that said that this possession was a million two hundred thousand people. Can you imagine how long the parade was with a million two and their livestock? And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were so afraid, and the children cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore, least thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt. In other words, they're telling Moses, I'd rather serve the Pharaoh I know than worship a God that I don't understand. Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians, for it has been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should be to die in the wilderness. Listen to this, people. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and he shall and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto, and the Lord said unto Moses, Why criest thou unto me? In verse 16 it says, But lift up thy rod, stretch out thy hand over the sea, and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. In other words, God told Moses, Faith without works is dead. Get up. Quit your whining. Quit your crying. Quit your trying to question God. Get up and do something. We as Christians and as we, I think sometimes as ministers and preachers, we, we, we get overwhelmed by the noise that's going on around us. And we forget. Get up. Do something. And I can understand what Moses is thinking now. I done been through all this. And now you're telling me to take this stick, hit that rock, and the Red Sea is going to split. The reason why I can relate to that is because sometimes... We're operating out of fear and not faith. We have, we have let the world intimidate us. I said we have let, not God didn't let. We have let the world intimidate us. We have let the world dictate to us. 
And, and, and as I see what's going on in our society today, the church of Christ, the body of Christ's church, they're trying to put us in bondage. They're trying to put us into servitude. They're telling us that we can't. They're telling us, I'm telling you people, until the church stands back up. And in and, and all my life, I've heard about the silent majority. Well, you got two problems here. We're still silent, and I'm beginning to wonder if we're the majority. We have let what happens to us happen to us. I have, we have not took a stand and said, not in my house. So as God says here, take your rod, hit the bark, the Red Sea will split. And I'm sure by this time Moses, I understand, is saying, hmm. And I behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians that shall follow them, and I will get my glory upon Pharaoh. God is going to get his glory. The question is, is or do you want to be part of the blessings that are bestowed upon people when God gets his glory? God's, this Bible is inerrant, perfect, complete word of God. What this Bible says is going to happen is going to happen just like it happened with the covenant God made with Abraham. What part of this don't we understand? The score's been posted. The game has been won. Christ died on that cross. We are a free people. But we've been intimidated. Just as Moses was intimidated by the, by, the, by, the, by the Hebrews here when they said, weren't there enough graves in Egypt? We told you to leave us alone. Causes Moses to have doubt. With doubt comes fear. No faith. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the God. When I have gotten me honor, but glory upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, upon his horsemen. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. I believe that when Moses hit this rock, God moved the pillar of fire from in front of them to behind them. The, 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 the Israelites could see the Egyptians, but the Egyptians couldn't see them. It's called covenant. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud of darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these that one came near, not the other. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. We have some humanists, and we have some scientists who says at that part, of the Red Sea, the water was only a foot deep. And the least little breeze would cause to see the bottom. Okay? And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right 
and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them in the midst of the sea, even always all Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning, watch, which is between three and six, I think, but the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels and they drove them heavily so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from this place of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thy hand over the sea that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its strength when in the morning appeared, the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. Now, as the humans and some scientists say in that part of the country, that the least little east wind would have caused dry ground, well, I'm going to tell you how almighty powerful my God is. He destroyed all of Pharaoh's old, old, old army in six inches of water. You got to understand, people, that, that, that there are people out there who do not want us around. We are a trouble to them. And we got to understand that the Word of God says, Jesus said, I will need never leave you or forsake you. We have, we, have one, we have one that says we're all powerful. So I, I think as, 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 the, as the Hebrews, as the Israelites said here, they look back, all of Israel's, all the Egyptian army is destroyed. But the children of Israel walked upon dry ground in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on the right and the left. And the Lord said, Saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and served Moses. I wonder how many of us are stuck at the Red Sea. As the Israelites went to Moses and said, weren't there enough graves in Egypt to bury us? And as you can, and I, said, I said, highly suggest you do this. You need to go on and read through the Exodus and, and see what happened in the wilderness. How many of us today have something that's back in our sin nature that we don't want to give up? How many of us this morning as Christians as members of the, of, 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 the, of, of the body of Christ church, how many of us are stuck because of fear?
What's your red sea this morning? As we look at the teachings of Christ, He only asks us to do very few things. Witness, minister to the sick and the dying, the widows and the orphan, give back, tithe. How many of you are somewhat in the wilderness this morning because you have something that's got you stuck at your Red Sea? I believe what the Bible said. And the Bible says in the latter days there will be a great revival. It says that there will be a great falling away and then comes a great revival. Where does revival start? Revival starts in the hearts of God's people. I've been dealing, I've been I've been doing what I'm doing for a long time. I think we as a people keep waiting for something to happen to us or something fix us instead of us doing what's necessary to do the work. Revival begins in the hearts of in the hearts of the body of Christ's church. As Joe comes this morning and sings the invitation, I challenge you. For those of you who do not know Lord Jesus, your Lord and Savior, you're at your Red Sea this morning. You, you, you have choices today. Do you want to go back where you come from?